0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to see you all here this morning. Thanks Thanks to you also who are joining us online today. I hope your Father's Day is off to a great start, hopefully. Mine has been. I've been told today already I'm the best father in the whole world. So to the rest of you, sorry about that. I got that trophy this morning. Um, So we are in the middle of a series called called us what's next and so we're talking about what's next for great oaks community church this morning as we do that i'm going to pay close attention to our relationship with our father in heaven today and about how that's going to affect what's next for great oaks community church i'm going to ask that you open up with me please to matthew chapter 6 matthew chapter 6 Some of you who have been around for a long time, and there's a few of you out there that I see right now who have been around for a long time, if you have a really good memory, a really good memory, there's a chance that you might remember about seven and a half years ago, I preached a message on the Lord's Prayer. And today, I'm going to again preach a message from that same passage, but I'm going to drill a little bit deeper today than I did last time. So we're going to go into it a little bit further today. Uh, It's in Matthew chapter 6, and it's in, we're going to start in verse 6. Matthew 6, verse 6. I'm going to ask that you follow along. This is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. He's on top of a mountain. It's become known as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, during this particular time, he's talking to his his disciples about how they should pray. So follow along, please, as we start in Matthew 6, verse 6. It says, if you forgive men when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their sins your father will not forgive your sins many of us i think have either heard that prayer prayed that prayer or have or have memorized that prayer at some point in our life personally i think it should probably be called the disciples prayer because jesus is teaching his disciples uh, uh, the right way for them to pray. I want us to go back up to verse 9. It says, this then is how you should pray. I want you to notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say this is what you should pray. It says how you should pray. So this is not a script that Jesus is giving to his disciples and therefore giving to us, saying, pray these things all the time. This is a framework. This is the framework around which our, our communication with God should be built. Um, I think it's certainly okay to memorize this prayer and and to pray this prayer. Nothing wrong with that, right? But this is essentially a framework. It's a skeleton around which we can commune with God on a daily basis. Jesus is getting to us here what he wants us to have in our heart, our spirit and our attitude as we come to the Father. So, this then is how you should pray. And he starts out, Our Father, our Father. Let's stop right there. Our. It's interesting that he wants us to pray starting our. Because if you go back up to verse 6, it says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. He's telling us, be in private. Go to a private spot and pray between you and God. But then he tells us to pray our, like there's someone else around. Which is interesting to me. Certainly, it's fine for us to pray as a group. I think we should pray as a group of believers who come together, whether it's a life group, Sunday mornings, whatever it is, your friends throughout the week. Certainly, pray as a group of believers, no doubt about it. But, but our daily communion with God, our daily relationship should be, as far as prayer, something that we do in private, not something that we want everyone to see. See, this is something the Pharisees were struggling with. They wanted to pray on the streets, They wanted everyone to see how holy they were, to see how great they were. Oh, look at me. Look how great I am. Look how much God loves me, right? And Jesus says, go into your quiet place and pray. He says, and he says, our Father. So I believe that Jesus is stressing right off the bat. When you come to God, you are coming as part of a family. You aren't just coming on your own. You are coming as part of the body and the bride of Christ. Nowhere in this prayer do we see the word I, me, or mine. It is always we, us, ours. Very interesting. So right off the start, he's saying, our father. Okay, so if you and I have the same father, what's that make us? Family. It makes us family. Jesus is saying, when you pray with to your God, your Father. Understand. You come as part of a family. You have brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm your Father. We are a family. And then he says, Jesus says, call him Father. Father. Not creator. Not master not Lord. He says, you can actually refer to the God of the universe as Father. Wow. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Father. So I can remember back when my son Josiah was about three years old. And so in the mornings I'd go in and help him get dressed or whatever. I'd sit on the floor and I'd dress him. And then as soon as he was dressed, he, more often than not, he'd turn around and just jump in my lap. Right? Just popped down there. He put his head against my shoulder. And he would just sit there for a little while. He didn't say it. But I knew what he was thinking. This is good. Just hanging out with my daddy. Just hanging out with my daddy. At the start of our day. Just getting to know my dad. Friends, I truly hope. I truly hope. That as part of your walk with God, your daily relationship with God, you take time every day to spend time, to spend time with your spiritual Father. Just connecting, getting to know him, listening to him as you read the Bible, speaking to him as you pray. There's a lot of crazy stuff in our world. And our lives are busy. There's a lot of stuff going on most of our lives sitting here right now. There's a lot of stuff going on. I sincerely hope and desire that the people of Great Oaks Community Church spend time every day hanging out with our Heavenly Father. Just getting to know Him, talking to Him, enjoying His presence every day. And he keeps going. He says, our Father, and then he says, in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus brings great balance to that statement. Because he says, go to him as Father. Go to him as Father. But remember, he's in heaven. He's in heaven. What's God doing in heaven? He's king. He is ruling the world on his throne. Let us never forget that the Father, we have the pleasure of going to, he is extremely approachable. Not only is he approachable, he, he, died, he sent his son to die on the cross so that we can have a relationship with him. That's how approachable he is. But let us never forget, he's in heaven on a throne. I was blessed by God for 47 of my, my first 47 years to have a wonderful, earthly father that I truly loved. And I know not everyone here has that privilege, but God, for whatever reason, blessed me with it. And we had a great relationship. We would, we'd, we'd hang out. We'd play darts. We went hunting and fishing. We played games. We watched football. Uh, went on family trips, just that kind of stuff. We truly enjoyed being with each other. But whatever age I was, as a child, as a teenager, As a college age, as a young adult, I never forgot, as much as I enjoyed being with my father, that I was always to respect him and to give him great honor as my father. We had a loving, wonderful relationship, but I always knew his place, which is one of great respect in my life. Jesus says, go to your, go to God. As our Father in heaven. It's a terrific balance of spending time with someone that we love dearly and also having great respect for him. Our Father in heaven. Then he goes on, Hallowed be your name. That word, hallowed, is very interesting because to me, as I looked it up, I found out that it means setting something apart. Giving it its own its own value, it is more important than anything else around it. Basically, it means holy. Hallowed be your name, and that word name isn't just talking about the physical name of God. It means the character and the and the uh, uh, basically the reputation of God. So Jesus says, live your life in such a way so that when you go to your heavenly Father. You can honestly tell him that you have set his character and reputation above everything else in your life. Friends, how you doing with that? How you doing with that? For ever since my son Josiah, I'm gonna use him again, because his father's jack and use him twice in one sermon. Uh, for as long as my son's been alive. I've had many, many, many people tell me, Dan, your son looks just like you. (laughs) They'll say, it doesn't even matter if you're around. The minute he walks in the door, we think, that's Dan's boy right there. (laughs) And I think to myself, it's true, he looks like me. Not only does he look like me, he, he actually acts like me, which on some days is great. And on some days, it's not very good. But it's true. People said, Dan, he looks just like you. He, he's a spitting image. Friends, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome? If because of the way that we live our life, on a daily basis, the people that we live our life with say, Oh, I know whose child that is. I know she's a daughter of God. I know he is a son of God. How awesome would that be? Jesus tells us, when you approach God, have the attitude in your heart. Hallowed be your name. So that we go to God and say, God, today, today I have lived my life As your child, doing all I can to honor and to protect your reputation, your reputation, your character. Hallowed be your name. Then it goes on. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today I'm not going to get into that verse. But I challenge you all. Spend time this week. Go to these verses. Go to verse 10. Find out what that means. What does the kingdom of God on earth look like? Right? That'd be a fascinating study. But I'm going to go down to verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. So often, often, friends, I think that we read that verse and we take it as a license to make our entire relationship with our heavenly father based on what we want. God, this is what I need. God, this is what really, God, this is what I'd really like. God, could you please do this for me? God, I really need this. Right now, friends, I honestly, sincerely believe God wants us to go to Him and to express to Him what our needs are. I think He takes great joy in that. I also think He takes great joy in giving us what we need as He sees fit. I think He's extremely pleased to be able to do that for the children that He loves. But let's not let our entire communion, communication, and relationship with God be built around going to God and just telling him what we need all the time. It happens. It's easy for me to fall in that trap, right? Because I can get all stuck. I get stuck on all these things that I think I need for whatever reason, right? right? Give us today our daily bread. Friends, if we understand that phrase correctly, you know what it does? It strips away our pride. And it causes us to express thanks to God for what he gives us. Friends, if you're anything like me, sometimes it's easy to to fall into a trap and to start thinking, I'm pretty good at this living thing. I got this living thing down. I mean, I wake up. I get in my car. I go to my job. I earn my paycheck. I buy my groceries. I pay my bills. I take care of my lawn. I spend time with my friends. I go back to bed, and I do it again the next day. After a while, you're like, "This living thing's not so hard. I, I got this all figured out." And we start thinking, "I'm oh, pretty good." You know, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. A group of people that we can read about in Genesis chapter 11. And they built a tower. A tower so that everyone else around them could see, wow, look at them. Look what they have done. I think it's real easy, friends, for us to build our own tower. And to start taking credit for it. And to think, look what I have done. Friends, may we as individuals never, never build our own tower so that people can look at us and say, look what I have done. And may we at Great Oaks Community Church never, ever, ever build a tower and call it Great Oaks Community Church so that everyone around us can look, wow, look what they have done never May we always always Give credit to our God and his provision in our life If we read that verse As not what I need all the time, but God you give me my daily bread all I have my job My family, my paycheck, my retirement funds, my friends, my family, my skills, my talents, the ability to make money, the ability to have to do art, the ability to make music, the ability to do whatever it is. God, you have given it to me. It is from you. Thank you, God, for giving it to me. Everything we have, friends, everything, everything. Even the breath in our lungs is a gift from God as he provides to us our daily sustenance, what we need to live in this world. And it's easy, man. It is easy to start looking at those gifts and to start and to start worshiping the gifts instead of the giver. And then we become materialistic, right? We become materialistic and we start thinking, boy, hey, I, I like that. I like that. I want more of that. I need more of that. And we become materialistic and we start living for stuff. We start thinking about stuff all the time. We want more stuff because now we've made a hole in our heart that, that we're trying to fill with stuff that can only be met by God as we bow our knees before him and say, thank you, God, for your provisions for me. Properly understood, that verse certainly once certainly is, is teaching us, go to our Heavenly Father express our needs to him. We all have needs, and he wants to meet those needs, but may we always do it, not thinking that anything we have is something we've done on our own. It is a gift from God. Strips away our pride, clothes us in humility as we approach his throne. The first point I wanna make this morning is that, our Father provides. Our Father provides. We're gonna go on to our second point here. Forgive us our debts. Verse 12, forgive us our debts. Wow, now that's interesting. Let me tell why I think that's so interesting. Because we at Great Oaks Community Church, we teach something, and I believe it is 100% accurate. And it is a foundation of what we do at Great Oaks Community Church. We teach that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son to die on the cross for the sins of mankind, all people. And that if we go to him, and if we acknowledge that we are sinners, destined to eternity in hell for punishment of our sins, separated from God forever, but that we need his forgiveness through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, because Jesus was, was God in flesh here on earth. And he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. So when he spread his arms and he died on that cross, he shed his perfect sinless blood for the forgiveness of all of man's sins. And if we go to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. And I deserve to go to hell. But I'm asking you, Father, to forgive me of my sin. Based on the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, please bring me into your family so that I can enjoy your fellowship on earth today through your spirit and in eternity with you forever. Please, God, bring me in. I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I can't do anything about it. I'm totally dependent upon you and the gift of your son, Jesus. The moment we do that, God says, forgiven, forgiven. All our sins, forgiven. It's called being justified in the eyes of God. He, as judge of the world, says, Dan, I see you now as clean, clean. You are part of my family. Friends, I believe we don't have to worry about losing our salvation. So Jesus says here, it's interesting. He says, "Forgive us our debts." Well, why? Why well, don't need to pray that? If my sins are forgiven, why would part of my daily communion and part of my daily prayer to God to ask for forgiveness of sins? That that's strange. I think that Jesus gives us a beautiful picture and a beautiful illustration of what is going on in that verse in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Jesus is with his disciples and he is in the upper room and he's just about to have his last meal with his disciples. And before they eat, Jesus takes a towel and he wraps it around his waist, and he grabs a basin full of water, and he starts to wash his disciples' feet. And he has a very interesting conversation with Peter during this time. Here it is. I'm going to read it to you. John chapter 13, starting in verse 5, it says, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. Very interesting. This is what I believe about those verses. So I believe that in that phrase where Jesus tells Peter, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. So I believe that Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, you are saved. You're a part of my family because your faith and trust is in me as the son of God. But then he says, I need to wash your feet. Essentially, Jesus is saying, Peter, you still have a problem. You got a problem. And it's your flesh and your sin living in this world every day. And Jesus is saying, let me cleanse you from that sin on a daily basis. Positionally, you are forgiven. You are a child of God. But let me, let me wash away your sin on a daily basis. I think that's what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, where he says, Forgive us our debts. Friends, I don't want us to ever live in fear thinking that, you know what, like if I forget to ask God for the forgiveness of one of my sins and I suddenly die later that day, that I'm gonna to go to hell. That's not what this is about. The moment we come to God through Jesus Christ and ask for his forgiveness, he positionally has made us part of his family. But I tell you what he wants us to do, to go to him every day and say, man, God, Yesterday at work, it was a tough day. I lost my temper more than once. Got at the gym at the gym last week. I uh, didn't have the most pure thoughts about that person on the treadmill next to me. God, my spouse and I really got into it yesterday when I lost my temper. Whatever it may be, right? What's that do for us? You know what that does? It keeps our, our, our heart soft. Again, we are bowing our knee before a Heavenly Father, keeping our heart soft. I started a garden. I don't know, it must have been about three, four years ago, something like that. And I'm not much of a gardener. So I started this raised bed garden. It's basically foolproof. I mean, you can't mess this up. Um, and I'm not a master gardener. I, I frankly, I grow tomatoes, I grow zucchini, and I grow cucumber. Who can mess that up? That's, the, that's hard to mess up. Um, I'll tell you what I know about gardening, though, is that I can tell good soil from bad soil. Right? That's not hard. You don't have to be a farmer to know good soil from bad soil. So when I started my little garden, I thought, the soil I have in my ground might work. It's not great. So I got some ingredients, and I'm and I decided to make my own soil. Right? This is out of a book, uh, Square Foot Gardening. Anyone ever read it? Pretty, it's pretty simple. I don't know, it's not hard. Anyway, so this is the soil. This is the soil in my garden. You don't have to be a master gardener to know that's good soil right there, right? I mean, that's good, rich soil. This is the soil that's in my. This is the soil that's in my yard, right? <laughs> really? I'm, I'm supposed to grow something in that? A farmer could grow something in that. He knows what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I fake it for about three months out of the year. And but I'll tell you what I know. That's good soil. Friends, in the time that we go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I have blown it. Man, forgive me for my sins today. And And we start going through them. God is making our hearts soft so that His Spirit can work. He's cleansing us daily from our sin. It's necessary for us to become become humble before Him so that He can work. Let's keep reading. It says, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then go back and then go down to verse 14 because it gets really interesting. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. That's interesting. Because again, does that mean that if I am practicing a spirit of unforgiveness towards somebody when I die, do I go to hell? No, I don't believe so. I'll tell you what I believe this means. That if we have been wronged by somebody, and friends, I've talked to quite a few people at Great Oaks over my years, and I've heard some pretty sad stories. So I know there's some real offense going on. But if we have been wronged by somebody, And if we refuse to forgive them, no matter how great or small that offense might be, I'll tell you what happens. We allow hatred, anger, and unforgiveness to sit on the throne of our heart. And God shares his throne with nobody. And if we do not practice forgiveness, God is telling us, I'm done working. I'm done working until you practice the same forgiveness that I practice for you. And friends, the people I've talked to have gone through very difficult things to hear their stories about the forgiveness that they extend to their offender and the love and joy and peace that God has placed in their life, it's inspiring to see how God works when we practice forgiveness. Point number one this morning. Our Father provides Point number two, our Father forgives. Let's go to the third and final point, and it's not a very long point. I'm just going to touch on it for just a minute. It's in verse 13. And lead, us not into, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that if you have not memorized, you need to memorize it. Write it down. I didn't put it on the board today. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says this. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What a fabulous promise. What a promise. Friends, man, I've been there, right? When you just feel like, man, I just can't get past this. I just keep failing. I just keep succumbing to this temptation. Wow, it's exhausting. And it just takes the life right out of you. Jesus has promised us in his word, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. Friends, claim that promise. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying there aren't struggles. But claim that promise and find yourself an accountability partner, a pastor, a friend, a counselor, someone who can help you gain victory. Jesus has promised you it's there. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The third point I want to make this morning is this. God is our protector. God is our protector. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. He won't do it. God does not tempt us. God will allow us to be tested. He will allow us to be tested just like he allowed allowed Abraham to be tested. He will allow us to be tested, right, to prove to us how much we love him and to to allow our lives to be a testimony to him, okay? He will allow us to be tested. He does not tempt. God God doesn't tempt. That's, That's the devil's role. But he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear claim that promise three truths this morning we find in the lord's prayers we think about fathers on father's day our father provides our father forgives our father protects what's next for great oaks community church friends friends i'm excited i'm excited to see how God works in Great Oaks Community Church. As we continue to honor our Father, as we spend time with Him corporately, as we spend time with Him as individuals, part of our family, the the family of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we pursue Him, as we worship Him, as our Father who provides, who forgives, who protects and does many more things, God's got great things in store for Great Oaks Community Church. I'm excited to see what he does here. Be encouraged today, this morning. Be encouraged, friends. Our God is more awesome than we can imagine. And we have the privilege and the opportunity to go to him daily in prayer and to kneel before him and to give him our our concerns, to ask for his provision, to ask for his forgiveness, and to ask for his protection. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, we truly love you. We thank you for your incredible provisions to us as individuals, as a church, as followers of Christ. And God, we know and understand and believe with all our heart that we can only come to you today because of the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We are totally totally dependent upon you no no worker of our own has allowed us to come into your presence today and God we thank you for meeting all of our needs especially our spiritual need for a savior God we thank you for the forgiveness that you offer to us we don't deserve it but man do we need it so father we thank you for your forgiveness and God we thank you for your protection. We thank you that you will provide a way of escape for us to stay victorious over the temptations of life. May we claim that promise. May we never give up. God, I pray that we as Great Oaks Community Church will be a source of glory and praise to our Heavenly Father. God, we love you. We praise you. May the life we live today as we leave here be a source of glory and honor to you. May the people around us today say, wow, I know whose child that is. And God, may you be pleased. In Jesus' name, amen.